0: And welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is You Don't Know What You Don't Know. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who has supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us on our social media to keep up to date with our daily photos and be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use our subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on the website. Or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. Alright, so correct from Corrections from My Mother, the part of the show where I clarify statements that my mother thought were confusing or misleading. One of her updates is that we should rename that segment. So it's now called Corrections from Karen Sue. She likes the, the, the K sounds and the three syllables. So that's one correction. We're going to call it Corrections from Karen Sue now, which I find very ironic. Um, so to clarify, my family and friends did not say they wouldn't loan me the money for the startup. They just wanted to see more of my plan, which ultimately helped me come up with a better plan um then okay what's her number one number two um one of the most important aspects when i was talking about the leather binder versus the cheap walmart notebook um apparently is that the the feel of the leather is an incredibly tactile soft luxurious feel that instantly calms my mother down and helps her feel less stressed it's easy stress relief picking up her soft soothing journal um also on crisis management one of the things that she recommends is putting the big rocks in first you deal with the first things the biggest things first and then you solve the other things later so those are all great all great things for my mother, and I will continue to uh, keep those going. And as she said, you should do them, you should spread them out, but I want to do them all at once, so I don't have corrections every day. but I think she's a little behind in listening. So I'm sure we'll have more for that. Um, so today we're talking about uh, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that the, the bigger topic in that regard is the concept of market research. So I did go to school for, for business and everything, as many of you might know, and I think there is, A lot of things we talked about in class that could be helpful in this regard uh, because market research, I don't think is inherently intuitive. It makes sense. I think in, in kind of the way we want to do it, we understand the concept of market research, but exactly how you do it, I think is not necessarily intuitive and it can get a little more challenging than some people may, uh, may understand. Now, what I will say is if you're a small business and your small business is successful and you're happy with that, don't worry about this. You know, most of the the market research is really for people who are either growth-minded, who want to really grow intentionally, or for people who are, um, their their marketing budget's really tight, and they want to use their marketing budget more efficiently. And I think that if you're successful, there's a little less of a need, necessarily. Now, it's always good to optimize, that's always an opportunity, but market research can be expensive, and it can be time-consuming, and it can be complicated, and sometimes the answer it gives is not very clear. So like I said, if you're, if you're happy where you are, then maybe don't worry about this so much. But if you're not, and if you, or if you're starting, that's also a part where market research comes into play. And you got to keep a couple of things in mind. First off, you've got your own bias. I'm biased about my journals. I have an idea about how I think they should be used. I have an idea about how I think they should be sold. I have an idea about who I think might use them the best, right? I have my own personal bias. And I think that sometimes that can really get in the way of good market research because you have to do it scientifically without bias. So that's where a lot of people will hire a third party to come in and do market research, and there's a lot of third party companies out there that'll do it for you. They can be expensive. I know that NBF, uh, where I used to work, did a lot of research and market research trying to understand the buying personas. And I think that's really valuable for them considering all of the the variety of customers they have and you know what they're doing with their marketing and how much they're spending. I think that's an important part of that. You want to optimize that plan, right? So they spend a lot of money doing it. And I think that makes sense for them, but maybe for a smaller company, it may not make as much sense. A lot of where market research hits its um, its roadblock, I should say, is the concept of data points, right? With all science, you need to have a good amount of data to be able to actually gain any sort of real and understandable and tangible understanding. I mean, it's, it, you need to have good information to be able to turn that information into something usable. For a lot of small businesses, there's not enough data points for them to be able to, to use that data effectively. I'll give you an example of this. I'll give you a more, uh, more apt example of this. I was working, um, before I started my company, I did some market research and some uh, ads that I ran for another company. And I, I helped write their ads and I helped do some of their an- analytics for them. And, and so I ran the ad campaign for them and it was not a success, I should say. I don't think it was a failure in that it, like, it accomplished something, but it wasn't exactly what we intended. We'd hoped that we would run these ads and then we'd have a whole bunch of sales. That didn't happen. But what we did find out was that the ads that we ran, it was, it was interesting who Facebook showed them to. And it was interesting to learn more about where the success led to. Like what was the kind of the overall reaction. And I think the reason why that was interesting was because we didn't really, we ran them in a very specific area in a very limited amount of time because we wanted to get more data points. So, we wanted to have at least 100 impressions per hour whenever we were running the ad because we wanted to be able to see is this something, I mean, is this meaningful in that time, in that area? Otherwise, if you have less than 100 data points, I mean, if you've only got five data points and someone clicks, that ad is 20% effective. But if you've got 100 data points and 20 people click, that ad, that, that data is far more, it's more, far more valid, I think is the word you're looking for. It's valid and reliable. So I think when we talk about uh, market research and doing market data analysis, being able to have a good amount of data helps. And a lot of that is just spending the money on the ads. That's a good way to do market research. A lot of social media marketing is, in many ways, a, a big focus group. It's a big referendum. You run the ads. You can see who saw them, for the most part. You can see general demographic, psychographic data about them. And then you can see if they clicked or not, right? So you can analyze that data well via that platform. And that's actually how I would recommend most small businesses do it. Now, if you're looking for a little more intensive, um, there's also, there's like focus groups. That's a great way to do market research. Um, or you can do kind of informal focus groups. And I think the challenge with focus groups is it's important to not let the moderator's bias or the mediator's bias um, get in the way. And that's something I, I struggle with. When I'm in a focus group um, as the moderator, I'm the one that's running the focus group. I have such a hard time keeping my mouth shut. I just want to talk about the product cause I'm a product guy. So I want to tell you guys what I'm thinking. And I do that a lot in my Instagram live, um, feeds when people ask questions or when I was doing that discussion about the Murdy number no. two, which was in our last episode. Um, I did a lot of discussion kind of about what my thoughts on it were. Uh, and while that, that, it can be good, right? At some level, it also can affect the focus group entirely. People are often very—they're um, in tune with kind of who is the leader in the room, and they want to—they want to make sure that they don't necessarily um, do anything to upset that. So I think when you when you do focus groups, it's important to to be kind of outside of yourself. You need to kind of step away, and you need to ask questions like, "Okay, tell me more about that." you know, all right, that's that's interesting. So, so why do you think that is? Or, you know, how would you use this? And not give them the answers. So I would say that if you're going to run a focus group, you're going to work on doing that. That's another very informal and often pretty inexpensive way of doing uh, market research. So we've got running social media ads and kind of analyzing the results as one way of doing market research. We've got doing focus groups, and that can be Um, customers, that can be current customers, or family and friends, or kind of, you know, you you want to avoid family and friends, I actually want to say, because a lot of times they may not be, they may not actually be your primary customer, they may be well-meaning, good-intentioned, and doing their best to be honest, but they may not necessarily be your customer, and if they're not your customer, then they're not going to give you good answers, because it's really your customer, that's really who matters in the long run. So I think that you've got the focus groups. And then I think one of the other uh, tools that's in the the market research belt is uh, surveys. We've all seen them. You get emails from all the time, take this survey and win a free trip to whatever. And you know, it's, um, it's, it's a very common way of doing market research. I personally think that it is not as effective maybe as advertisements, but it it's, it provides a more rounded picture. So it's a nice kind of bridge between social media and, uh, focus groups because you can ask better questions in that, in that research. Now in marketing research, uh, when you're doing like a survey, if you send out a survey, you almost always have to have some sort of incentive to get people to do it. Very few people are altruistic enough to say, you know what? I'm just going to fill out this survey without any sort of, um, compensation of any sort right and even if it's just a chance to win something that's that's still compensation a chance to win a free whatever that's that's compensation but when it comes down to doing uh, market research with with surveys you can craft the questions but you need to have you need to have the prize match the intensity of the question right so if you're giving away a car yeah you can have a survey that takes 10 minutes to complete if you're giving away a chance to win a you know pencil well, it's got about you got about three questions before people think it's not worth it anymore. So there's kind of a cost-benefit analysis whenever you're doing those kinds of decision making as a consumer. Um, so I think depending on how intensive your marketing survey is, you really need to have a very good price at the end of it to compensate for the time. Right? There needs to be that value. So with your when you now that you've got your. Your marketing research, and you're about to send out this survey, you got to figure out what questions you're going to ask. And there's a lot of different ways. You can go Google this, a lot of different ways to write marketing questions, and the way you write them matters. I think we've all been in the situation where someone's asked a question on a survey and we didn't know how to answer because the question was worded very strangely. You want to avoid that whenever possible in your research. So you want to be able to have really clear questions that are, and it, the temptation is to make them double barreled, right? What I mean by a double-barreled question—that's a very specific term—a very double—a double-barreled question is a question that asks two questions in one. You cannot do that. You have to avoid that. So you have to ask a question like, um, "Do you like this?" And then the next question can be, "Do you like this?" But when you give them, you know, "Do you like this or this?" It locks them into those two choices and it can eliminate some of the the more important information, which is I don't like either or I like both. You know, you need to be able to have really the questions be separated and avoid double bailed questions, which is tempting to do when you have a limited number of questions because you don't have that much to offer them. So I think you're better off to say, OK, you need to be able to have that survey, have demographic information. You need to ask them, are you male, female or other? Are you um, your age range? Um you can ask them things like, where they, you know, what area of the country do they live—Midwest, Southeast. I mean, and having those kinds of questions can help you be able to understand them a little more. It's about finding that psychographic data and understanding what they're interested in, and then. Um, but you want to limit those questions because if you've only got twenty questions and you spend ten of them figuring out who they are, you've only got ten questions to get more information out of them. So keeping in mind that psychographic demographic data. Understanding your customer and kind of creating those buying personas about who is my customer, what do they look like, what motivates them, how do they buy, and segmenting your various target markets via the research can allow you to write ads and create ads that more, um, are, are I should say, are better to cater to their needs, really help inform them in a more tangible and more meaningful way of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to help them with, right? All right, so that's the, the, our, our research today for market research. Um, in light of that, actually, it would mean the world to me if you guys would go on uh, whatever podcast you're listening to, iTunes podcast, Apple podcast, iTunes, whatever, and leave a five-star review if you think we, were, were, we earned it. Um, if you think that uh, this podcast is worth it, that means the world to me, just that you think that. But if you can tell that to, the, to Apple, those reviews mean so much to us. Personally, but then they also help other people find us. If we can get a good amount of reviews, if we can get a good start on our reviews, it really helps other people feel comfortable and confident joining our community, and that they're not wasting their time. So, if you think that I've brought you any value in this podcast, it would just an easy, simple way to repay me a little bit would be to go leave a five-star review. It, it just—it's not that long, and it really would change the help could change the course of uh, of this podcast. So, I appreciate all of you and all of the um, the help you've all given to to me with your wonderful responses and your feedback thus far. All right, so we're running a little short on time, so I'm going to skip our, um, today's use. Um, in our Day in the life segment, we're working on bringing back the Band Ambassador program in a much more intensive way. I know I've been procrastinating on that. It's just gotten so busy here with everything else, and I really do want to help you guys get that launched. So many of you have been interested, and I really appreciate that about, that, about you, so I'm hoping to help get that launched again and... and keep working on getting that moving. Um, All right, folks, thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to check back in tomorrow for our next topic. And don't forget to check that subscribe button below to be sure to get the latest podcast right away. If you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, please feel free to contact us on the main page of our website at murtycreative.co, or you can contact us via our Instagram and Facebook. You can text, email, direct message, call, any of the usual stuff. And I do my best to be available whenever possible. And I appreciate your patience if I don't get back to you right away. That being said, if you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. I'm always happy to engage with you guys, and I love our growing community. If you're looking for multiple binders for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason, ask about our bulk discounts. We do have those available, and I'm always happy to tell you guys more. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day, and goodbye.